Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable network of podcasts. I'm Trish E. Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And we're here today to discuss the season three premiere of Supergirl. Uh, the episode is titled Girl of Steel. There are a lot of moving pieces in this episode. Like I, I made a list just of all of the different things this episode tries to do because it tries to introduce <laughs> Morgan. It gives us the Kara dealing with the grief of Monel, and there's these multiple not quite connected someone tries to talk to Kara and fails scenes and then there's the emotional beats with Alex and Maggie's relationship and then we and in theory the introduction of Rain and there's kind of a plot <laughs> that's right well let's start off where the episode starts off which is Kara is grieving and pushing everybody away as hard as she can and being a big jerk about it um, I, I, I'm glad that they are spending time on Kara grieving that, you know, we're not just, oh, well, that was last season and we're going to forget all about Monel. But the biggest problem I had with that was that she has decided that caring about people is human and weak and she's not going to be human and weak anymore. She's not going to grieve. She's just going to kind of amputate the Kara Danvers personality. Um, and uh, just be Supergirl all the time, as hard as she can. And that, well, it's really unhealthy. I'm sure it's unhealthy even for a Kryptonian. And it's also really nasty to her sister, uh, Alex. I mean, you know, she's saying humans are, are, are weak and I'm not Kara anymore. And so does that mean she's saying to Alex, you're not my sister anymore? Yeah, it it. it seemed like a very heavy-handed way to do it because Kara is presented as such a strong character and so good at being positive. And, and maybe this was her first true relationship and, and maybe it hit her that hard, but it just seemed heavy in its usage. But it, Kara does it so well. It's acted mm -hmm. so well. She it's pulls, acted very well, yes. She pulls off the, the scene with her being a jerk, uh, <laughs> full, full Kryptonian jerk, Um <laughs> She just pulls it off beautifully, so I, I, I really was willing to to give it, and and it, I w would have been worried if they were planning on doing this for multiple episodes and have this sort of ongoing. <laughs> but the implication is they really wanted an episode which is about her grieving and starting to recover from that grief, and they right. did it. They pulled it off well, so I, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. Her her actions were not optimal, but she seems to be basically back on track with who she is uh, by the end of the episode. It's just a little unnerving that she rejects humanity that hard, because, I mean, if humans are all weaklings and she's just doing things for everybody's own good, uh, how far a step is that from being a benevolent overlord? Benevolent overlord? <laughs> uh, yeah, so she had... Kara, Kara does very well, and the writers do very well at acting up the uh, maybe Kryptonians can kind of be obnoxious jerks, and uh, she she does that. She shows that, but she saves people and then and then ignores them. Um, right. And they, they, they... <laughs> She's not even giving autographs anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some wonderful lines in that regard, but it, it, I think I can cope with how they did that. It it was a little challenging where I was trying to see how to describe, well, this person talks to her and fails, and this person talks to her and fails, <laughs> and this person talks to her and fails. And the, the show tends to very intentionally have sort of these repeated beats of uh, actions that 
in theory, are slowly getting somewhere, but it takes a long time. That's true. On the other hand, it does mean we get screen time with people in addition to just Kara. I mean, if, if just one person talked, then that would be fewer scenes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's perfectly reasonable for a lot of different people to be talking to Kara all in their own not terribly effective ways. I, I, you know, was kind of half expecting to see a group intervention <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> but they didn't quite go that far. A anyway, doubling back a little bit to the benevolent overlord thing, which I can't say for some reason, but um, it's a little disturbing that she is so into being Supergirl in this episode that she's dropping important conversations just, just to go deal with a burglary. I mean... There are police. We had a little bit of dealing with it last season with Maggie getting frustrated that Kara was taking even all the mundane cases um, and uh, making, you know, sidelining the police. And here it did turn out to be a super powered sort of burglary, but it's still um, she does have that tendency to think that only she can be the savior. Yeah. So shall we walk through the story a little more uh, linearly then? Sure. Mm -hmm. So ba basically, as we start out, yeah, we have this the dream sequence, which I thought was just beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Like, I, yes. I was just amazed, e even with all of those lens flares. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was really well filmed and well musicked and acted. I was, I was just quite, quite happy with the, the success in them getting that emotional vibe out of that dream sequence. Yeah, the brightness kind of underlined the happiness of everything. Whereas a lot of the episode was dark lighting-wise, uh, as opposed to just kind of emotionally dark and sad. Um, so, so yeah, I agree. I, I really liked the opening dream. And the transition then, of course, as you said, not only is the, is the rest of the episode fairly dark, but they transition to this exceptionally dark uh, scene with Supergirl just floating above the city at night in the darkness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in theory, either looking for crime or just trying to figure out where Alex and Maggie were. I don't know how whether that was sort of a random event that they happened to connect to each other, or uh, there wasn't much uh, set up for that. But uh, whatever. It, it gets people where they needed to go. Yeah. And we get the, uh, the car chase on the bridge. I don't know. The plotty part of this with the burglaries and the chases and all of that wasn't all that interesting to me. I was much more interested in the human dynamics and the Morgan Edge thing and the um, Maggie and Alex uh, wedding preparations. Yeah, even the wedding preparations beat out the plot. Uh, the the uh, I don't quite under. I, I suppose they just the writing just sort of they needed just enough glue of the plot to hold it together because there there's so many aspects of the plot that either make no sense or just aren't coherent in any way like they they have the the truck with two people in the front and the mercenary in the back the mercenary gets away maybe for a reason um mm -hmm. we never hear there were other people in the truck but there's no reference to them <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's this, it just just threads are sort of dropped all around and then they the, then throughout the episode there's this all this discussion of nuclear making bomb making equipment or nuclear bombs or nuking the city and there's no evidence that there was any there was no reason <laughs> why they would do it there was no like it just it there's just this necessity of glue plot, and it it really was pretty thin. Yeah, they um, I I guess the nuclear thing is to raise the stakes, um, even just through conversation about it. Um, but uh, there were there were missiles. Um, I I felt like they felt obligated to have you know 
a set number of action pieces in the episode, and I would really be fine with an episode or so that has no action at all, just, uh, or rather, no, no physical action, no fight scenes. Um, I'd be fine with skipping that for an episode or so and just concentrating on the people dynamics. But there's probably some kind of rule in their book. <laughs> there's, there's some balance to try and maintain, and then I expect the balance will move a bit between episodes. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have to say, I did kind of like as the, the gang initially complains about Kara grieving, to which Wynne des- describes that Kara has basically just turned into Alex. <laughs> yes, and Alex was like, I'm not like that. Am I like that? And yes, Alex, <laughs> mostly. You, Maggie has humanized her nicely, but uh, basically, before uh, before Maggie, she was duty robot. <laughs> her, her unrelenting seriousness is one of her best qualities. I quite like yes. almost. I I was happy that this episode gave us pretty much everything John did. John said and did was reasonable. <laughs> and right. I really quite like all all of his lines in his dialogue. I, I thought was really quite strong this episode. Yes, yes, I I was happy with. Uh, his dialogue, I was happy with the deliveries of Alex and Maggie's uh, dialogue, although I felt like their roles were kind of reversed, and I'm not sure how happy I was with that. Um, do you, should I go ahead and talk about that, or should we just keep... Um, I think given that the plot was so weak, um, I think we can, <laughs> if, you, if you want to just sort of jump into uh, Maggie and Alex, I'm fine with that. Sure. Uh, the thing that bothered me about that was that uh, in this case... Um, uh, last season, Maggie was the one who did not want a big Valentine's Day, who, d- who does not want big, you know, family and romantic events and stuff because she was traumatized during her coming out, which went badly. Um, but uh, here, Maggie is the one pushing for the big wedding, and Alex is the one who is not really feeling it. And partly that's because... She's unhappy over over uh, Kara's distancing, but it it just felt weird for Maggie to be pushing for the big giant romantic wedding and everything. I the, there was this, there was this question because I I thought it was interesting how they cut the finale where they don't actually show Maggie saying yes, and there was there was that question of is this actually going to be a little more complicated because. My overall issue with the relationship is Alex is being acted exceptionally well as a character who has not been in relationships before mm-hmm. and is therefore learning what is it like to be in a relationship and doing sort of right. missteps and, and complication, complicated behavior, which generally you would see in teenagers and people who are just starting to have their first relationships. Mm-hmm. And they do an amazing job of Alex sort of falling into traps that that people in early relationships would and i don't and it's clearly intentional and it's well acted but it's one strange seeing it from an adult character but also it's just it's uh, at some point becomes trying it's it's like Mm -hmm. I, i have difficulty watching things that are embarrassing and and seeing sort of this embarrassing relationship communication occasionally is like okay i can watch this i suppose because otherwise the relationship seems very strong and I, I like it. But it's just this, this this constant aspect where Alex is either overstepping at some points in a relationship or, in this case, under-communicating in others. And mm-hmm. I, I think in that way, this felt relatively in their normal pattern because Alex is not properly communicating. Right. 
And that is what's causing the issue. Right. I think she has been not talking about her feelings because she wants to just make her feelings appropriate to the occasion all by herself. Um, You know, she wants to be happy and excited about the wedding, or she thinks she should be happy and excited and nothing else. And so she's not, she hasn't been talking to Maggie about her problems with it. And that, that is very Alex. (laughs) I suspect, I suspect that Alex actually was the one who was pushing for the big wedding. So, because we didn't, we we didn't see Maggie say yes. We didn't see any of the initial plans. So my, my, my canon was that she was the one pushing for a big wedding which is also which is really ex- why Maggie's going what's going on here right okay that makes a lot more sense you're you're no longer the one who really wants a big wedding um i i would agree you'd think Maggie wouldn't so that that that's sort of where it is and and, and i mean Alex was the one with with a wonderful line later of the biggest gayest wedding the national city has ever seen <laughs> uh, i i think she 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 wants to go big mm-hmm. and i they wanted this emotional beat in the episode, and I was kind mm-hmm. of let down with all of this drama is her just not – her father not being there. And I would think she has come to terms to a more greater degree of, of that uh, over time. Like, it, it felt like that wasn't quite the uh, – I don't know. It, it didn't feel like the justification I was looking for for the beat. Like, the emotional beat looked mm-hmm. like that was the goal of what they wanted. And then they just needed a reason for it, um, but they do move on, and it 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 I did, the heart the heart to heart where they actually communicate and in right with when with when listening um, <laughs> that sequence worked really well with them sort of in theory looking at each other from two hundred feet away talking over radios, and, and I really liked that scene. So it it, yes. it, it it came together. True. So I'm ready to talk about Morgan Edge or Cat Co. Which. Morgan Morgan Edge is definitely the next thing to talk talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So Morgan Edge, I vaguely remember from reading Superman comics back in possibly the 80s or 90s. Back then, he started as just a, uh, you know, ruthless capitalist uh, who took over the Daily Planet and was dealing oh. with uh, Superman and Clark Kent. Now, I did a little reading, and it turns out that later he w- became a supervillain, and then he was retconned that actually a clone of him was the supervillain. <laughs> of course. And uh, I I don't remember where they ended up making him. But anyway, he is certainly a character <laughs> from the DC Comics universe, but it appears they're going full on on villain right from the start, from this episode. This show has definitely generally had sort of big bad superhero villains, and then just antagonistic jerks and he definitely seems to currently be falling into the antagonistic jerk i mean i i think we're pretty confident that from a big bad superhero perspective that that rain is likely to be that for this season but um i i thought it was an interesting addition additional character and and boy he does pull off jerky capitalist sexist dirtbag <laughs> really well <laughs> right right well he isn't just a jerky capitalist he's also willing to you know fire missiles at a waterfront in order to demolish it um uh with with one would assume uh collateral damage of people dying um so so i'm i'm not just He's not just a jerk. He's he's actual an actual villain, not a super villain at this point. Maybe just a villain. I I, I agree. That is, <laughs> that that is true. I I had difficulty getting over the reality of 
I am a real estate investor who is going to maybe nuke or just send really powerful torpedoes <laughs> into a seawall beside the coastline of a bit of a city to get people out of an area. It's like this, this seemed like overkill to to a bizarre extent. Uh, especially if they were trying to imply that any of these were actually nuclear weapons. It's like, it, this is not a sane plan. Yeah, I I really don't understand that. Um, you know, looking back at Maxwell Lord from the first season, he was another evil capitalist. The Elon Musk bad guy. Right. He 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 was he was uh definitely well. I would say ruthless capitalist, but not really evil. Not really a villain. Uh, just some questionable motives and actions, but not, you know, I, I, he probably believed in his heart that he was doing the right thing, trying to protect people from aliens and all of that. A hero in his own universe. Right. <laughs> in his own head, at least. But um, here, yeah, Morgan Edge is, is, you know, if, if his only motivation is taking over more real estate uh, in the city, then yeah, the the sub and the nuke threats um, are real overkill. Yeah, it my, my concern is the character is just gonna if if the character stays just so over the top, um, mm-hmm. it'll might end up being trying, but but right. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not just a ruthless ruthless uh, destroyer; he's also a sexist because you know just just the previous stuff was not enough. They had to you know go and make him a, a sexist pig too. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I I certainly hope that we'll get more nuance out of the other plot plot threads this uh, season. I, I I'm fine with them throwing on the uh, sexist dirtbag aspect of it. I think that 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 <laughs> follows. I just would like to see him not launching missiles at the city. <laughs> that, that's right. what I'd like. We'll we'll see what how how it plays out because he does have great some of the scenes with Lena and him are pretty pretty great as Lena consistently bashes him down and doesn't right. take any from him <laughs> well I, I love lena and i'm i'm happy to see that she's continuing in an active role this season and but i'm not sure how the partnership <laughs> is going to go so catco i was happy of course when kara quit as a reporter because i've never really liked what she does as a reporter we'll see what happens <laughs> but but uh i i was really taken aback when i think it was alex saying you quit catco how could you how could you quit your job as a journalist that you've been working your whole life to become a journalist no that is not <laughs> what happened <laughs> that is not what happened at the start of you know she was a pa for for um cat for you know however long that lasted just as cover and then Clark came for a visit and she was inspired by him and decided she wanted to be a journalist then and was a journalist for a season. She did not have any hints of dreaming of being a journalist her whole life. No. This this show has difficulty managing superheroes day jobs generally. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. James worked better with James this episode because we didn't have to deal with any Guardian stuff. So Mm -hmm. James seemed to be doing his job. Um, right. We'll see how that plays out going forward. They they basically put Snapper on sabbatical, so that, that mm-hmm. sort of mitigated that character. Cat is still around, but apparently she no longer is in owns it. Um, so I guess maybe we'll just keep seeing her saying wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things on TVs. <laughs> 
because the president is not a moron. That's um, right. <laughs> it's a nice alternate universe where the president good and is good, and the speaker of the house is is or president of senate or whoever Cat was talking about is a jerk. But um, we'll see how the Catco thing plays out because I because the impression would be is that Lena's going to pull Kara back into Catco. Right. In some mode. Right. I think they said that uh, Kat had put Kat Co. into a blind trust when she became the president's press secretary. But uh, you, you said that um, James is doing his job. Uh, he, uh, I, yeah. he apparently subscribes to the one-minute manager theory because that was the shortest and weakest <laughs> meeting for <laughs> that I've seen in, in a while. Um <laughs> This is this is T V. They needed the scene. They needed to just not be too long. This is this is this is this is all Doyleist going on here. Like it just had it, it, just, it, it came out the way it came out. Okay. James is trying to do his job. Okay. Let, let's give him credit for trying. Um and we'll see because he has a new boss now. Yeah, I, I did like that um, Kara said when Jane was saying you need a work-life balance and Kara said, basically, this coming from you. <laughs> and he said, but the job isn't everything to me. And, you know, being James is important, too. And I had a little problem with that due to last season, him saying that basically he felt empty as James head of Catco. And that was why he wanted the Guardian stuff in his life. Well, using how badly they handled James and such going forward, it's it's pretty easy to uh, to to see how this conversation doesn't quite fit. It 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 it's it's hard, but James's characterization last season was so kind of all over the map. Yeah, um, it, it, that's it, a good point. Maybe maybe if. Maybe it's not so bad to have a little inconsistency if that means we're having more consistency going forward. You know, if we just sweep last season, you know, kind of kind of shroud last season a little bit, see it through a veil and not see all the details. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's, let's say that last season, James learned some additional okay. value of life balance and <laughs> it, it, as a part of his inconsistency last season. Let, let's go there. And, and then, then the conversation kind of flows, though his using of the emergency watch to get her to, to kind of get her to do her job, but really I think he just wanted to try and talk to her again, mm-hmm. um, was clearly a horrible idea. Um, and and was bound to backfire. It was, but you know, I I I think that by that point they had all been trying to talk to her, and she had been brushing them off. You know, maybe he just felt there was no other way to talk to her at all. Um, so I certainly don't disbelieve him using the the signal to talk to her. It may have been a bad idea, but it was not a badly written idea uh yeah this was these these were mistakes that james made and uh, mm-hmm. they didn't work and they didn't work reasonably and it pissed car off and she's right <laughs> <laughs> right and and so so she said okay well then i'm quitting but um you know moving forward um then we had the thing with uh Morgan Edge trying to buy up the shares to buy Catco, which clearly would have been a horrible <laughs> idea as, as far as uh, National City and and uh, Catco was concerned. You know, not such a bad idea for him, but, you know, he probably would have bought it just to run it into the ground. I, I, I generally will try and ignore all TV shows' ability to present uh, corporate governance <laughs> and stock market management and just say, Okay, sure. 
Okay. But anyway, uh, uh, Lena Luther became aware of the problem, and so she swept in and bought the shares instead. Um, and uh, I am interested by what's going to happen going forward. Uh, I was really interested um, by the whole thing of, uh, you know, she told Kara she wanted her help, and Kara said, but I don't work any there anymore. And Lena said, oh, yes, you do. I'm counting you to do all the journalism-y stuff, <laughs> since I don't know anything about running a media empire. Um, and I'm sure that Lena could learn or delegate, you know, to someone else to, to run the media empire. But it really seemed like she was doing it at least halfway to get back in touch more with her friend who had been shoving her aside. Um, she was so excited about, we're going to be working together now, Kara. And while I love the enthusiasm, it's also a little bit stalkery, maybe, <laughs> to, to, you know, you've been ignoring me, so I'm going to buy your, your company, so we'll work together. <laughs> per perhaps. I, I, I think there was more, I, I, because there's clearly more of a motivation for um, her being a badass and uh, screwing up Morgan's plan, I, I think mm -hmm. that that was probably as much of a reason, and mm -hmm. the rest is just bonus. It's like, and <laughs> I get to work with my friend. And right. to be fair, James runs it anyway, so I don't quite see, like, owning something is very different than running something. But again, governance, mm -hmm. eh, hand yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see what they, how they actually play that out. Right. I have no idea how they will play it out. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm really curious to see what they're going, you know, is it, are things going to go basically back to normal? Or is she going to, is Lena going to be showing up at the offices of CatCo a lot from now on? I kind of hope not. I like her in her lair at, at former Luther Corps. <laughs> El Corps, I think it's called now. Yes, it is. But I'm, I'm a little worried because uh, friends working together doesn't always work out so well. But we shall see. And I am happy. I, I'm interested by the whole plot line of how that's going to play out. So uh, uh, show-wise, doylist-wise, I think that was an interesting move and I like it. Yeah, I, I hope we do still uh, continue to get some occasional um, guest appearances on TV or whatever or whatnot from Cat that that that, that mm -hmm. will hopefully continue. And they 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 are still maintaining that the uh, alien who wasn't born in the U.S. is president. So we'll we'll see that there's still that plot line flowing on. There's there's yes. a bunch of other characters we have we didn't see also. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. You want to talk about any of those dangling threads right now? Well, there's there's a few. Uh, they're the main characters we or the side characters we haven't seen any. So we didn't see Lyra, which I kind of mm -hmm. hope she returns, but is back to a steady, reasonable character rather than the bizarre actions, things they did with her right. uh, near the end of last season. Um, so it'd be, it'd be nice to have, to, to see her again. Uh, Snapper looks like he's out for a period of time. They, 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 there was a lantern on that, uh, character probably not showing up for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll be seeing, um, Megan either. So that'll be interesting to see. I, I, I have this, this challenge with Megan where she obviously is also not living on the planet and is in a, in, in a quasi long distance relationship and they're kind of okay. Uh, right. A, Apparently that was impossible with Monel. Well, you know, both types of Martians have long lifespans, um, so they they have time for a long distance relationship, and they're both older, mature people, so they have a little patience. Um, 
uh, neither Cora nor Monel, you know, they were both in their first serious relationship. So, so obviously they're they you know would both be having trouble dealing with it with the they, separation. They were in their CW relationship state. That's right. <laughs> the other thing we got also was the uh, new actor for uh, Lura, uh, which is. I, I don't quite understand whether I'll call this stunt casting that that it is another Lois Lane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we'll see her much, but that was that was wild. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking of it as a flashback. I I was not thinking that we would be seeing her, well, not a flashback, but a dream. I was not really thinking at all about seeing her more this season, but I don't know. Maybe we'll get There's- flash there's always potential more flashbacks, so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I haven't uh, dug in that deeply into uh, the, the the casting information for the season, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Well, um, speaking of the season, uh, you know, I, I'm. I think I've hit all the points I want to for this episode. Do you want to talk about projections for the future? Um, I think I think we should do that. There's there are certainly some things to talk about. Some um, that may or may not be interpreted as either um, guessing what's going to happen or just uh, known casting issues. Uh, right. But, but the, the the there was the clear, not so su- not so subtle introduction of the mother and daughter at the uh, mm-hmm. at the submarine torpedoing explosion scenes where right. we see her. Um, suddenly having super strength, and maybe you could you could argue that there's this uh, rush of adrenaline causing her to allow her to do something amazing. Uh, but I would argue that at the last scene where we see a dream sequence where the Allura costume turns around, but it looks like a monster, right? Um, and clearly that looks like a reasonable. Uh, simile, simile of what Rain might actually look like uh, mm-hmm. in the comics. Uh, Rain is a relatively monstrous-looking uh, world killer in the in the comic universe. So there's this this I think reasonable assumption that the, these are connected, of course, and that mm-hmm. um, the uh, belief is that, that that actor is in fact the uh, character uh, Rain, uh, who has a daughter, and we we have her name as well in the casting. Oh, and by the way, that's R-E-I-G-N, not rain like weather. Just for the podcast listeners. <laughs> it's a strange name even then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. So, yeah, I'm not sure whether she'll turn out to be a villain or just someone with uh, a lot of problems that Kara has to has to help her deal with. Um, uh, if it goes like the comics, then she'll turn out to be a villain. But they're, they they have made some changes here and there of, about what kind of people uh, the characters are. I did I did try and take in over the summer break some other uh, media of Supergirl. So mm-hmm. I watched some animated Superman. I watched some DC movies. I read the uh, Last Daughter of Krypton Rain comic. And overall, I'm certainly happy that they're implying that Rain at least doesn't have to look like a sort of grayish blue towering monster. Um, <laughs> that was a nice choice. I was a bit worried there. And it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think there, there, there's a strong implication that the spaceship we saw in the uh, seawall underwater was probably Rain's. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certainly the implication, I think, that she does not know that she is Rain. Uh, that clearly there's this, this potentially this character who has been adopted has no memory as to her who she is 
And um, obviously with the uh, event of her moving that girder, uh, maybe she's going to start to realize it and something bad might happen. So it's it's a far more interesting take on it than uh, the comic where she basically just shows up and starts beating up Supergirl. Right. Yeah. Much more interesting to introduce it slowly that way. And uh, also the potential for, you know, a plot line about how human does Rain decide that she wants to be? Um, what kind of person does she want to be? Yeah, so that's all interesting. But what really, you know, is going to be emotional this season is what's going on with the actress who plays Maggie. Um, because she's not listed as a regular character in the cast this year. I am I the whole scene at the um coastline where the bombs are going off and right and Maggie was having the heart to heart with Alex I was I was just starting to cringe it it just had this feeling of there's that trope out there it's like the, there's there's a gay relationship in a TV show and one of the characters yeah. isn't a regular and it's just yeah I I have more fear for Maggie's life than any other character in the show Yes. Because, because of this, this thing. And maybe it's ever since Tara got killed off in Buffy. Sorry, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, the, the, that, that trope hurts. Like you, you oh, get yeah. these characters. And, and it's, uh, it's, I, I just really fear that they will go about that. And uh, I don't know. I was, I'm really dismayed, uh, appalled by the thought of them killing off Maggie. Uh, I I had been thinking, you know, when I heard about this over the summer, you know, maybe they'll just break up because they they do, they have certainly, Alex and Maggie have had their relationship problems. So maybe they'll just break up. But the vibes from the phone call at the end of the episode, or not, what a radio headset call. Um, (laughs) uh, They they were doing all the, we're so incredibly happy together. This is, you know, a shining, happy relationship. And, you know, for any couple, TV has a tendency to break that, you know, here, here, they're happy. We can't sustain interest in a happy relationship, so we have to break it. But yeah, with, with, um, you know, gays and lesbians and, and, and others, uh, particularly, um, TV has a very distressing tendency to kill them off instead of just write them out like people who walk away from each other. Yeah, the sort of the sort of Damocles, which we're left left just uh, waiting to see what's going to happen. So I I I don't know. Um, yeah, I know several people who have said they will stop watching the show if uh, if the CW or Berlanti or whoever does that. Uh, if they kill Maggie, I would I would certainly think seriously about it because I would be incredibly unhappy if they did that. However noble a death she got, I would be incredibly unhappy. Yeah, she, she, they, they could write her out if they want to. They don't have to kill her. <laughs> right. <laughs> they really don't. <laughs> right. They kill almost right. nobody. They don't. There's have lots to kill of her. other ways <laughs> that they could do it. So we'll see. And then I, I expect we'll also be, there'll also be some additional uh, crossovers in the CW universe um, mm-hmm. going forward. And I think some are, there's some rumors of those. And we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Right. Um, I think we will not be getting any crossovers from Black Lightning, though, a, a show that I'm very interested to watch, because even though that's a superhero show on the CW, uh, it's it's uh, I've read that that is not really connected with the Berlantiverse uh, superhero universe. For now, at least. 
<laughs> you never know about the future, but that seems reasonable. But uh, overall, I really, I did like this episode. The the the, the plot mm-hmm. was a little forgettable um, and best to be forgotten. Uh, but I think they really did what they needed to do. They had a whole pile of uh, chess pieces to move around, and I think they did a pretty admirable job of it. I agree. It, it worked pretty well. I'm a little afraid of what it's going to mean for the future, but there are certainly some interesting things going on, and I'm always interested in seeing how the... the uh, Lena and Kara relationship will move forward, and um, it all just you know it's it's a good opening. Um, I'm I'm certainly interested to see what they're going to be doing this season. Was there anything else you wanted to cover, or shall we sign out? I believe that's it for me. Um, I do want to thank our wonderful sound engineer Seth Heasley, and uh, I want to thank our listeners for listening. I am enjoying, you know, resuming the conversation. If y'all want to get in touch with us, there's a Facebook group for incomparable fans, or if if you uh, support uh, financially <laughs> the incomparable, there's a Slack group uh, that you can join and uh, continue the conversation with us about this episode and what's going to happen in the future. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.